Let's Talk Home Repair is sponsored by Matriarchy Build, who provide tele-DIY services connecting homeowners to vetted pros for one-on-one video consultations. Visit matriarchybuild.com to get guidance on projects as small as a leaky faucet or as big as a home remodel. You can even book a session with Amy themselves. Visit www.matriarchybuild.com. Tele-DIY. Like telehealth? Yeah. Cool. I know. I'm Alicia, homeowner. And I'm Amy, general contractor. And we're talking home home repair. repair. Or actually, we're talking those who repair homes. Right. What are we doing today, Amy? Well, today, kind of, I've got my crew here with me, or most of my crew anyway. I've got Susan, uh, who is our estimator. I've got Kayla, who is our project manager. And then I've got Shannon, who is a mighty field worker. Um, <laughs> mighty, so, mighty, mighty, mighty. And uh, we're going to be talking about, you know, it is it is odd um, or unusual for there to be so many women in one company doing this type of work, right? Male-dominated career kind of thing. And, and that was the main focus of when you started Amy Works, though, right? Well, it kind of was. I, you know, it was always my dream to hire, you know, mostly women. Um, but I didn't set out to not hire men. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, and, um, and why was I, that going to be different? Why was that going to be, why was that an interesting goal? What I, what I tell clients is that we clean up after ourselves, <laughs> which is true. If nothing right? else. I mean, but, tell me how many times people do we have to go and, and clean up after the drywallers or the plumbers or whatever, because constantly they're the guys <laughs> and they just leave their stuff all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's one of the big, biggest things. And, and the majority of the people that we're dealing with our clients are the women, right? It's the wife or it's a, you know, a a single female homeowner, um, that needs help or doing a renovation. Right. Right. And there is just that trust, that instant trust that you kind of have, um, talking to another woman as opposed to talking to a guy. Mm -hmm. Um, and of course, Contractors, unfortunately, have um, a bad reputation. The mansplaining, the condescending, um, just that kind of stuff when they're talking talking to women. So women are, are a little leery about it, a lot leery about it, actually. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so it, that has been one of the greatest things. We get a lot of calls from clients saying, oh, my God, I'm so happy to support a woman-owned business general contractor. So along those lines, what are we going to talk to your crew about today? Well, we're going to talk a little bit about it. I'm going to get everybody's background, kind of, just a little brief, you know, how did you get into this field? And then we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, just a little bit about, you know, what kind of challenges you have faced um, in the field. And and then more on the positive line of, you know, what can we do to 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 help fix that? I mean, we don't we don't deal with that that um, uh, male chauvinism kind of stuff in our in our company because there's four of us and there's two guys so and so they're kind of outnumbered um, and then but you know and another big thing is because skilled labor is is going away right all these people are, are retiring how do we get more people especially non-white male people into this industry, you know, um, women, uh, non-binary, um, people of color, you know, underprivileged. How do we get them into this, into this, which is a relatively good paying, you know, job. And, and there's a lot of jobs out there. So, um, Susan, 
why don't yes. you give us give us a little bit of your little bit of your background? Susan's been working for me since nearly day one. Um, um, and so just tell us, you know, where you come from, how did you get your experience, that kind of stuff. Okay, so um, I'm from the East Coast, from North Carolina. Uh, I grew up in a family that uh, we, we lived on a farm, so I had a very early introduction to, uh, you know, a lot of power tools, farm equipment. My dad was also in construction at the time, but he did uh, large concrete projects, which meant there was lots of big equipment, you know, loaders and backhoes and, you know, tandem dump trucks all of which I learned to operate, and I liked it, but I wanted to go into something where I felt like I had a little bit more control over. So I initially went to college thinking I was going to go into an art degree. That didn't pan out. Um, so I actually went into the union uh, in Virginia, moved up to Virginia because North Carolina has no unions, and I started in the apprenticeship program there. Worked in the apprenticeship program for a few years, moved back to North Carolina, and stuck with uh, carpentry uh, from there moving forward. Um, and I just progressively worked my way from being a carpenter to a lead carpenter to working for myself for a number of years. Uh, got kind of burned out on that, so I started working with other general contractors again. Um, started working with Amy about 10 years ago and uh, worked up to project manager. Um, I am now shifting over to estimator from project manager. I actually did attend Edmonds Community College in their um, construction management program, and then I got the um, construction management program certificate, which is a two-year program at the UW, um, which was very helpful. Um, and you did that when you already had been working in the field for a while? Yeah, this was actually, when I went to the UW, it was back in, um, I believe I started in 2007, oh. right as the construction <laughs> industry was tanking. Okay. Yep. Yeah. And that's it in a nutshell. All right. All right. Okay, Shannon, what about what about you? You've worked for, Amy works for three months or so, right? It's been, I think, five. Oh. Almost five. Oh. Oh, maybe four. Okay. okay. We started in the end of March. Right. Okay. So tell, um, tell us about background. I, um, I actually got the art degree <laughs> a few years ago and um, then went into a number of office jobs, uh, which I did for about eight or nine years and hated it entirely. So um, what was it that you hated about it? I just couldn't stand that there was no progress ever. It was a lot of bureaucracy. It was a lot of just going through the motions every day, kind of the idea of, you know, different day, bigger pile. And that oh. pile never goes away. You never get anything accomplished, and you never have the sense that you created anything or even helped anything a lot of the time. And so uh, from there, I quit that job and went into uh, working for a grocery store for a while. And that wound up being another big giant corporation that didn't make me happy. And uh, one day I was at my local watering hole and met two carpenters. And we talked about things that made us happy and work ethic. And they expressed to me that they had... Um, a really strong interest in 
trying to bring more women, people of color, just non-traditional um, people into the trades. And so I started working for them a couple of days a week on my weekends, which were Wednesday, Thursday at the time. And um, that was two years ago. Shortly after that, I quit my full-time job and went to work for them full-time uh, doing uh, structural remodel framing and found kind of my happy place in, in the trades. And, um, and yeah, and after that, I, uh, I found a posting, or my friend actually found a posting for a job at AmyWorks, and he said, you know, this sounds like a really good fit for you. You're going to have the opportunity to learn a lot more than just framing and carpentry, um, which has absolutely been the case. And I get the opportunity to work with a whole bunch of other really inspiring women. Cool. Right on. Okay. Thanks. All right, Kayla, what do you got? Tell us, tell us about yourself. Uh, yeah, so I went to school multiple times because I couldn't figure out what I wanted to do. And I grew up in Spokane, Washington, Idaho area. And I just couldn't pick. And when I was in high school, you had the opportunity of going to college part-time and hopefully getting ahead of the game. And when I found shop class, that was it for me. And so I dropped everything else. And I did two years of my apprenticeship uh, through the trades at our community college in high school. And then I completed the other two on the job piece and part of it outside and was working and going to school and getting paid. And it was just one big cluster that worked out. And so then I graduated with that and got my card that said I was a residential carpenter in the state of Washington. And that was like the coolest thing I'd ever done in my life. Also the coolest card in my wallet at all times. And uh, so I've been doing this for 15 years on and off for different companies. Always a residential remodel because I think residential has kind of like what Shannon was saying. You get to create something for someone and you get to look back at your work and say I did that or I was a part of that commercial was too big for me it wasn't it wasn't very fun so I stuck with residential remodels and now I'm with Amy Works doing residential remodels great great so you actually have a card that says you're certified residential carpenter yeah in the state of Washington yeah wow who's the who's the uh certifying organization uh, so I don't actually carry it in my wallet anymore because I've lost my wallet almost a couple of times because <laughs> construction's dirty, but, uh, at home I have it safe. And I believe it just says through, uh, the Spokane Home Builders Association, which is just also CCS for community college. Oh, in Spokane. Okay. So you don't have one of those cards. I do not have one of those cards. You should get a card like that. I, I think if you're in the union, you get a, a a card or certification, you know, saying that you've completed your journeyman oh, okay. work. But yeah. but they don't have a program for residential. That's the that's no, the thing that I No, they used to, like, but yeah, no yeah, longer. Residential, unfortunately, yeah. yeah. And Amy, how did you come to this mad world we call construction? Oh, it was a fluke. It was seriously a fluke. So I tell the story that I had a dad who was a jack of all trades. And he was a, a plumber and pipe fitter, um, union, whole nine yards. Um, but he could do anything. He could do electrical, plumbing, 
um, concrete. He could build a house. So he taught me a lot of stuff. The only thing he didn't teach me is that you could actually hire people to do this stuff, do this kind of work. (laughs) So I went to college and have a bachelor's degree in environmental science. And I did, I worked as a chemist and a project manager for um, 14 years or so in the environmental field. And then decided that I didn't want to do that anymore. And I wanted to work with my hands. So I started selling tools, tomboy tools. I don't know. It's a plug if they're still out there. I don't know. (laughs) I think they do underwear now. Oh, tomboy hacks. Right, right. Maybe they do. You know, we have an appointment with them. Really? We do. Doing what? We're going to go do some work for the owners. Oh, not a fitting. No. No. Just, you know, doing the doing the tomboy tools and, and doing these home shows where you teach women how to do, uh, you know, these little things with their tools and little projects and home maintenance. And then they'd ask me, well, can you come and fix this or that? And I'd be sure, I can come over to your house. And I'd go over and fix their utility sink or change out a light switch or whatever. And I got pretty jazzed about it. I was like, I wonder what it takes to do this in the state of Washington legally. Mm-hmm. Well, in the state of Washington, it doesn't take much other than you have to buy your license and your insurance. And then you're ready to go. So I did that. And then I stumbled across the Handyman Services franchise, which I did for, I owned for two years. Um, Got out of that because I didn't like the franchise model. And when the economy was in the toilet in 2010, I decided, well, let's go back into business for myself. So Mm -hmm. I did a year, a little over a year later, I hired Susan, my second employee. And then we just kept going from there. Any regrets? Uh, not that I can think of right now. (laughs) Susan, what would you have done differently, especially since you've had such a career in it now? Would you have approached it differently? Um, yes. If I hadn't been such a wild and crazy young (laughs) adult, um, I, I actually would have gotten serious about going into more of a construction management program at Mm. that time. Um, it would have been difficult uh, for a woman to to do. And one of the things I'm sure we'll start talking about is the fact that, you know, I was, especially in the South, anywhere I went and worked, I was the only woman. So, um, but at the same time, I mean, it certainly never stopped me. But I think just getting into more of a uh, project manager, uh, managerial field in Mm -hmm. residential or commercial, uh, I think I would have enjoyed that. So you don't prefer residential over commercial? I, I do. Okay. I do. But as part um, of the I think I would part. have had more, if I had started in commercial at a younger age, just to have be able to uh, get a taste for both, mm-hmm. um, I, I think I would have enjoyed that because they are two different animals. They really are. Um, but it would have been nice to kind of just, you know, get into it a little bit, see what it's all about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Shannon. Uh, how many companies have you worked for? Just two. Okay. So in your experience, have you, have you felt like being a woman in these trades has been a disadvantage or any barriers that you've come up across on maybe something you wanted to do? Um, nothing huge. I mean, when I think about how my life would have been different if I had been encouraged to pursue the trades when I was younger, because I didn't start working in carpentry or the trades at all until I was 32 years old. So that's pretty late in life to, you know, make such a huge change. Not impossible, obviously. Um, But I think about how much um, more I could have 
been capable of if I had, you know, I just would have been more likely to be comfortable running rafters and up on roofs if I was 22 years old, <laughs> as opposed to, you know, now when I fall down and things hurt. But, <laughs> I mean, I guess the idea is to not fall down, but, <laughs> but um, I definitely think that um, that's been a bigger challenge is just getting into it um, later in life. So that's kind of the biggest thing that I run into is more like I just am a little bit soft and and um, easily <laughs> easily wounded, I guess. Um, you know, What's I a hard sore. job? It's a physical job. Yeah, it's incredibly physical, and so um, so that really took a lot of effort and um, and time because I'm also only you know Susan and I are are shorties, mm -hmm. and so <laughs> we've had to figure out you know our own ways of doing things, our own ways of carrying sheets of plywood and things like that, where we don't, you know, always have the same wingspan as, as other people. So I wouldn't say they're specifically related to being a woman, um, but definitely there are challenges. But it's not insignificant. The physical challenges mm -hmm. are not mm -hmm. insignificant. Um, height, just even general strength. The, what I have found in in that is that especially when I was doing the handyman stuff and I was out in the field, yeah, right. It was it was really learning how to work smarter. Kayla, do you have any uh, experiences where um, it was a pain in the ass being a woman in in the trades? Yes, <laughs> in all caps. <laughs> yes, yeah. I mean, I've got experiences that were you know they they still make me upset and I instantly get hot and I'm red and I'm I'm mad about it. I've got others where I feel a little bit vic you know like I got a victory out of it where I showed you and uh yeah, I mean I've got a ton because I've worked for a ton of companies. I think my my first year alone I went through five uh after my apprenticeship was completely done I went through five companies. How did the apprenticeship go? I mean, did you feel respected going through an apprenticeship or not? Uh, no. Besides, besides the, you know, if maybe you can separate maybe hazy, you know, the hazing aspect that anybody would get, you know, as, a, as opposed to a woman going through that. Hazing is only for the guys. Really? Yeah. I will, hazing happens to the guys. Hey, we're just joking. We're hazing. Hazing for women is a constant. Like you never get to graduate past that. Yes. You it's never like, that's graduate the joke that past always that. happens. Yep. Yeah, I mean, you know, I scored top in my class in my apprenticeship, and, you know, when you score top in your class, it's not a, you know, my GPA was 3.9, it was, yeah, you know, I had 20 tests, and I got the best uh, out of almost all of them, or whatever it may be, but, you know, I scored top in my class, and I was the lowest paid in my apprenticeship, mm. and everybody else was paid the same amount, and that wage happened to be higher than myself, you know, there's little things that you- How do they justify that? There's a lot of things that, that you don't, and you don't notice it. You don't think to ask. That's probably that, one of my, my most, you know, in hindsight, looking back was I was always raised and taught, and we don't talk about money because we don't need to talk about money. I don't care what you make, and you don't care what I make. We're doing our thing out there. Uh, but when you hear people doing the same thing you're doing, making more money than you, and you're wondering, wait a minute, we were all in the same program. <laughs> we signed the same piece of paper just with our own names on it, you know, uh, and we're getting different treatment. You start to learn that really early. Did you talk to your coworkers? I mean, I think that plagues almost every workplace, you know, that they even say, well, it's a rule that you don't talk to each other about your salaries. Mm -hmm. It's like, mm -hmm. no, it ain't a rule. Right. You just don't want me to know. And it's normally 
preference of the business, really. But, you know, for like that example, I actually had a guy come up to me and he was like, man, how are you liking it in the field? We were in different companies. We had gotten paired, mm. we got, you know, to a different company. But when we come back to class and he said, man, how do you like the pay? And I was like, honestly, I was a little disappointed. <laughs> I was being honest. And, you know, there you go. Put my foot in my mouth. But I said, you know, he said, why? Told me exactly how much he was making. And he was making $3 more than I was. $3. $3. Wow. And so did, and that, what, did you go, I mean. Straight, I, right away. I, you know, after class the next day, because we had night class because we would work during the day. That was how you got your, that was how you did it. Mm-hmm. So the next day I called and I said, you know, I have a concern. Brought it up. And, of course, you go into a board and a conference room meeting. And we got to have a talk with a bunch of people that are so much more important than you are. And uh, dressed way nicer because I've got paint and caulk and, you know, splinters coming out of my sweatshirts and, you know, what am I to do? What am I to, I mean, I need this, I need this program. Right. I need the position I'm in. I need what I'm doing because I want to do this. So mm-hmm. you end up just taking with what they gave you. Um, well, what was their justification at the time then if you went before the board? Yeah. So I had less experience was the only thing that was put on my paperwork. Wow. Uh, and But you're going through the same program. Yeah. And you've done it wow. for the same amount of time. You know, my mom time. raised me. She was a single mom. I didn't have a dad or a grandpa involved. And, you know, I went to school and did my own thing. But I had less experience. And everybody else knew somebody who knew somebody who knew somebody. Uh, okay. Uh, I think it's how I ended up justifying it because I didn't quite get it either myself. Uh but yeah, there's there's the a lot summer of jobs of you know exactly. helping uncle or dad out on on the construction site or whatever because they don't offer those things to mm-hmm. women. Susan, when I started out in the union, it was it was terrifying on the one hand, but I was incredibly lucky on on one hand because there was um, a gentleman by the name of Bronco. He was in charge of the apprentices out in the field. This guy was so far ahead of his time. He had, had been observing me, and he knew that I was good at what I was doing. I was, I was able to actually start my apprenticeship as a second year because I had worked in construction enough with my dad that mm-hmm. I wasn't a total newbie. You mm-hmm. know, I was able to go in and jump ahead a little bit. So he knew that I had a lot of potential, and he made it known, apparently, and I found this out later to some of the head honchos around there. He's like, you know, she's, she's got a lot of potential. Keep your eye on it. Keep her. Um, now, what he didn't do, and, and rightfully so, was go around and, you know, try and, and tell a lot of the crew members. I mean, you don't want to create this situation where you're kind of putting a target on somebody's back. Uh, so he didn't do that. So it was really, really challenging, but it could have been worse right? in certain respects. Did you ever have to fight about a salary, a wage? No, I didn't. Um, but did the I union protect you? As far as how much I made per hour? Yeah. Like, did you feel like you didn't have that problem because you were working under union rules? Yes, at the time I did. Yeah, uh, we all made, depending on what year as an apprentice you were, you were all making the same amount of money. No matter what. No matter what, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I didn't stick around for the union for much longer. I mean, I was, I, like I said, I went through that program for a couple of years and then ended up moving back to North Carolina mm-hmm. um, in, in just residential work, which was a little bit of a shocker because I made so much less. <laughs> <laughs> I am interested in the, the size and working smarter Did you learn that stuff on your own? 
Or how did you find ways? I think it's a similar situation when you have to work alone as if you have to work small. So I think um, it kind of always winds up being um, the problem that I run into often with working uh, with men is that they don't like to see you struggle and figure something out. And so a lot of the time, you know, bless their heart, but these guys would run over and be like, no, no, let me do it. And I'd have to be like, I have to figure this out. You yeah. have to let me, you know, fall down a little bit, struggle a little bit, drop things, take a little bit longer because this is all stuff that I'm going to have to do. And it's all a reasonable expectation. It's not pick up this big giant beam by yourself with your right. root strength. But, you know, figure out what tools you need. Do you need an appliance, Dolly? Do you need to figure out some type of pulley system? And, you know, there's a lot of simple machines. Like, all of that very basic physics is always going to be your best friend in trying to do something uh, without the same kind of brute strength and, and size uh, that other people do have. Um, so, it's What are your resources for figuring that out? Trial and error. <laughs> Really? <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Trial and error and also um, other people in the field. I think that, you know, just having a, somebody go, hey, try it this way. Don't take it from somebody, but, but you know, just say, oh, I've used this tool for that before. Why don't you use a bigger pry bar might help you get more leverage and move a larger thing. So, um, so that kind of stuff, um, just beyond struggling, uh, you know, on your own is, is how you, you know, figure those things out. And the more you learn and the better you get at those things, you say, oh, okay, I know now that um, it's going to be easier for me to lift this sheet of ply plywood, you know, over my head or, you know, use my shoulders for things as opposed to my hips. It was all just kind of reconditioning the way that I thought about the mechanics of my body mm -hmm. really is, is how I, you know, got to that point. And I still, you know, two years in still learn more and more every single day from other people. Would you warn some women off of the industry because of that? No, I think that if I can do it, anybody can, mm -hmm. um, because I'm not necessarily the best suited, you know, for this type of work or the, what one might think of as best suited. Um, I'm a little bit floppy and I don't have great joints and, you know, I wasn't particularly young when I started, but um, if you can figure those things out and you have the perseverance and the support to do that, um, then you can make anything work. Mm -hmm. Kayla, you, would you add anything to that? Yeah. I mean, you know, not to make it that kind of fest like you're saying, no. but I remember, you know, one of my first jobs right after my apprenticeship and I was tipped over in a honey bucket. On and, purpose. Yeah, on purpose. And at the time it was a lot of piecework. We were on new builds and, you know, I could have worked covered in uh, honey bucket stuff. But I went home and I changed and I went back to work and used like my flashlight and I set up like a whole thing and, and I worked on my own and I worked later than others so that I could have that time where someone wasn't going to take it from me. Yeah. You know, trial and error. Because you do, you have to fail. Even the best carpenters in the world have failed. And guess what? They're better because they failed. It's mm -hmm. just, it doesn't matter if you're, you know, a minority, you know, man, whatever. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. anything you have to fail because it makes you better and it gives uh, I think a carpenter the best tool they have which is critical thinking 
You know, because that's a joke in our industry. You can ask 15 carpenters how to do something. You'll get 15 different answers. Mm -hmm. They're not all wrong. I mean, some of them are, but so, you know, yeah. I mean, you know, you don't get all wrong answers. It's just someone knows how to do it differently. You know, yeah. Susan and I might have more experience than Shannon, but Shannon's going to teach me something along the way. I'm going to learn something from Susan. Susan might learn something from me because we've all done it differently and it's all gotten done. Regardless. As a leader, how would you handle, I mean, how do you handle that? People learning on the job? Oh, I think it's, it's a requirement. It's, I mean, we can't teach them how to do every little thing. I mean, Susan doesn't know how to do every little thing. I sure don't because I'm not a carpenter. And so it's it's knowing that you're not going to know how to do everything. You do know how to, th you have to know how to think, right? Some, some critical thinking skills, figuring things out, and also knowing when to ask questions. There's, everybody carries around a smartphone. You can find a Google or a, a YouTube video on doing anything now mm -hmm. and and i know that my crew they'll get on they'll get on youtube and look and it's like i yes do it um you know whatever resources that you have available if you just don't know how to do it and then knowing when to ask for mm -hmm. help and the want behind it you know it's kind of fun to you know know i gotta really look into this i'm gonna do something i haven't done oh my mm -hmm. gosh you know you get excited to kind of go home and you're laying in bed watching Law and Order SVU and you're also thinking about that, you know, curbless, you know, <laughs> pan, whatever it is. And you kind of get excited to look it up, you know, because you aren't going to be able to learn everything. It's just not possible. I think one of the uh, really important parts of critical thinking, too, is learning how to visualize. Um, mm -hmm. You really need to learn how to visualize different components of a project just even the specific project you're doing, you know, think ahead two or three steps, try and visualize what you're going to do from start to finish. It's probably not, especially if you're doing it for the first time, going to keep you from, you know, you're probably still not going to do it 100% correct that first time, but the chances of you making less mistakes because you're taking the time to stop and visualize each of those steps moving forward is going to help you. What would make your life easier, Susan? Well, I, Cloning. I think yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it goes it back to what we were talking about earlier, and that is um, just the monumental lack of skilled labor that we have now. Uh, NPR had a great... Um, report that they did, I believe it was a week, week and a half ago, talking about that very thing, that the construction industry as a whole right now is almost in a um, crisis situation because of the lack of skilled labor. What does it do to? Bad salaries? I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, starting about 40 years ago, 30, 40 years ago, trade schools were being defunded. Um, you, how many high schools do you see now? that have any kind of trade wood program. When I grew shop. up, yeah. oh my gosh, Masons, Woodshop, you know, yeah. there were a number of avenues. Now, granted, at the time, it was all men, but there were trade schools. So you start defunding those and eliminating them. And then once, you know, the tech industry started up, everybody and their brother is being convinced that this is what you have to go to. You know, this has got to be the priority. This is what we have to start getting our children educated in yeah. and push them into. 
And so you've got this big gap now from, you know, people who are, you know, Amy and mine age and our sub, you know, a lot of our subcontractors who own their businesses, where we're not going to be here for another maybe 10 years. And there's this big gap behind us that there's nobody there to fill it. Mm-hmm. We're looking at, you know, people of, of Shannon's age now trying to get, you know, and, and younger, of course, but we still have this gap mm-hmm. um, that's going to be painful to fill. Some of it had to do with the stigma of being a blue collar worker. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, Absolutely. Don't, you don't want to go, uh, you'll come home dirty. You want to go to college. You want to go to college. Well, you know what? If you go into the trades now, you're going to come out. If you go into an apprenticeship program, two years, maybe four years, you're going to come out with next to nothing as far as student loans go, if anything. Right. You've worked the entire time through there. And you're getting a good and education. And you're, you're starting at like fifty or $60,000 a year. Whereas you do the same thing for, you know, four years fine arts degree. And, and you know, you're $60,000 in debt, if not more. And are you going to be able to find a job? You're expected no. to work for two years for free. Right. Right. And, right. and people just City. don't, right. Yeah, people, right. people don't understand that. It's like, there are, there are plumbers and there's electricians and there are drywall. They're making, they're making six figures. And, and because we have such the shortage, they can come in and say, I want to raise. Well, yeah. I don't have anybody to replace you. So I'm going to give you that raise and we're going to raise the prices. We need to start in the middle schools to actually mm-hmm. introduce this type of uh, career um, to kids, women, girls, boys, you know, whomever is interested. But it's got to be during that time when there was that curiosity. In high school, they've, they've already kind of mm-hmm. shaped what they want to do, right? They're, uh, they've already kind of been pushed by their parents possibly or, or, or just by themselves and their peers that, well, I think I want to go, you know, I'm going to go to college and I need to go to college and, and that kind of stuff. And they're, they're not, they don't even realize that this is, this is an option. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's finding ways to get into the middle schools to expose the kids to it. I was actually thinking of a, I would love to do a, a, a an assembly kind of thing for one of the schools where career day. It's like, yeah. right, career day, where, where I'm standing there and I'm talking to them about, you know, becoming a carpenter. Yeah. And having these three, we walk out on stage and there's a stack of lumber there and some drywall. And in the time that I'm talking, which is probably going to be, you know, all of about 20 minutes, they're able to assemble that wall. There you go. That's what you can do. And you know that's one piece that's of the, the huge thing. Give them and, that, and that talking idea. both or as, to do something where they know, can like actually, you, say, you know, hands on. Drifted away from blue collar working, but as girls, you know, I talk to lots of women now. Like they weren't, they didn't get a chance to pick up a power tool, maybe a hammer. You mm-hmm. know that you you know go around and pretend to do something, but um, to actually feel that in your hands learn how to do it safely, just actually feeling the power underneath it. It's kind of like rock and roll camp when they give <laughs> girls an electric guitar right. that plugs into an amp and you don't have to be big and strong in order to be the loudest thing you've ever heard mm-hmm. in your life. I think it's the same thing with power tools and you know, and understanding construction, how mm-hmm. you put things together. It's like, we don't get to play around with that. No. I mean, everything mm-hmm. I've... And I even had a dad, dad that did let me do that a lot. 
and I did have a middle school with the the uh, metal classes and the wood classes, and I just think those were invaluable. It gave me confidence now to at least, like you mentioned, you know, Shannon, trying it. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, let's try it. And I'm not even talking as a career, just as a person. You know, just try that. You know, is it so precious that I can't cut it and and mess it up? Right. <laughs> you, you don't, don't touch that. You'll break it. Yeah, you know, kind or you'll of hurt stuff. yourself. You'll you'll hurt yourself. You're gonna break everything you're going to ruin things so it's like no or you might yeah. but also if you take the time to show me how to use it and so now even after going through art school I realized that I really loved to work with my hands and in art school I learned that I love to problem solve and those things are things that I do every single day and things that aren't satisfied by any other type of job I've ever had um, and so it's really important to say that these are jobs for intelligent people. These are jobs for creative people because that's also more of the kind of people that we need. And there are also things that women, gender nonconforming, trans people, people of color, we've, you know, if you've had to kind of approach everything from a non-standard position, then you're always going to have... Uh, a better outlook on the things that um, aren't spelled out for you. Yeah, you know, the creativeness that you have to to show in your everyday life, you're already creative enough, right? you right. know, for this We've type of job. You've got to figure it out. Yeah. Kayla, you were going to say something. Yeah, I think that also, if you were to do just as like a testing project and Google uh, resumes or even uh, job postings for carpenters and put them all side by side, First of all, it doesn't tell you anything about what we're telling you right now mm -hmm. either. That you get to be creative, that you get a problem solve, that we're going to throw you into this house that's going to have like the coolest wainscoting that you've ever seen and you get to figure out how to put it together and create something incredible. You don't get that out of that. It needs to read, can you lift this amount? Are you cool with having a blue collar versus a white collar? even though maybe the company is wearing black, whatever, it's fine. <laughs> but, I mean, it's all the same stuff. We got to bridge that gap by uh, appealing the trades as well a little bit more. And do, you showing do you talk to your friends? Do you encourage people who are maybe searching for something to do? It's like, hey, give this a try. I mean, you know, when we're talking about solutions, how do we get women involved? It's going to be women talking to women to a certain extent. Do you talk to people about uh, joining the trades? First of all, I'm not shy about talking, so I'll talk to anybody who will listen. But, uh, you know, like actually my partner, she has a master's degree in environmental law. She's done all these great things, went to school, and she every day, when she, she tells me every day, I wish I would have done trades. I wish that's where I would have gone. And it's because she doesn't get that love that I get. Mm -hmm. I mean, I could be in so much pain. But man, I'm so proud. Man, I did so good. Mm -hmm. Yes, and I'm feeling good about it. So yeah, I would talk to anybody who would listen. I mean, if you're willing to hear out what the job really is and not read it, not just see an advertisement, man, I would tell anybody who would listen. Do you talk to people about your experience about and encourage people to consider it? Absolutely. A lot of my friends are, you know, you might call her blue collar as it is, um, or my call blue collar you know one of my best friends is a baker and I think that my generation is um now I think kind of going back on the okay we were all kind of told we're gonna get office jobs we need stem degrees and realizing that that's not working out for all of us and the 
the kind of uh, lie that we were sold of, you know, go get your four four year degree and everything will be fine is not happening. And, um, and so now we're all kind of going back and a lot of people sure are happy with their careers at Amazon or whatever. Um, but a lot of people aren't. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that I talk to as many people and encourage as many women as possible on Facebook, on, you know, any type of social media. I'll I'll talk to people and say, like, no, you can do this. It doesn't matter if you've got three kids. It doesn't matter if you're 30 years old. It doesn't matter if you're 20 years old and no one ever taught you how to swing a hammer. I did not know how to swing a hammer when I stepped onto a, a construction site for the first time. Not at least, you know actually putting a a nail into a piece of wood kind of swing a hammer. Um, But that's okay. You can learn those things. You know, if you've already made it to 25 or 30, you've got all of the tools in in your tool bag, you know, at least mentally, to figure those things out. That's the easy part is learning how to swing a hammer mm-hmm. it's all of the other stuff that's really challenging and um, most of that challenge is uh, having the courage to make that leap Susan how are we going to get that message out yeah I that's that's a good question because um, what I was thinking of in listening to, to Shannon here was kind of on the on the flip side of that and I've had numerous conversations with you know, other women and have, you know, there have been a a few that I've tried to talk into going into the trades and their biggest hesitation has been walking into an environment with men where they know they're going to get harassed. They're going to be sexually harassed. And it is terrifying to a lot of them. And Mm -hmm. rightfully so. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, some of us, who are hard-headed, have entered that environment, you know, fist clenched, and it's like, okay, bring it on. Mm-hmm. Bring on your best. But there are a lot of women who are not like that, and they shouldn't have to feel like they have to be that. And That's I think just that it. might be, you know, the myth was that the office job isn't like that. Right. And what we've found and learned with the Me Too and the discoveries on that is that, that the office jobs suck for women too. Mm-hmm. And so really... To change that is to get women in positions of power, to have each other's back, to not be quiet about it. Mm-hmm. And so do you see, I know you don't have direct experience with it, does that seem like a viable wave that's that's hitting even the trades of that that's kind of exposed now? You don't quite get to get away with it as much? Um, yes, there is, I mean... I, w- I would like to say that I think it's dramatically different than when I was an apprentice. Um, I, but from a lot of stuff that I've heard, that's not necessarily the case. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and I think getting you know getting more women, having more women who own companies, yeah. having more women in the power positions regarding unions or organizations. Uh, you know, master builders even, you know, a lot of these big organizations is getting more women in those positions to where they can basically look these unions in particular in the eyes and go, you got to cut this out. 
Yeah. We're, we're hearing a lot of talk. There's a lot of lip service mm-hmm. and has been for years. But seeing actual results. Yeah. You know, and having that person, too, to talk to. I mean, being listened to is so close to being loved. Most people don't even know the difference. You know, so ha- having someone to talk to that you know can do something in that power position is that that already goes mm-hmm. more than its weight in gold or whatever they say. Two questions for you, Amy. Same as Susan. How are we going to get the message out there? And where does somebody start? I think that we have to create the opportunities. I think that like a company like like us, I have to I have to call the principal at a middle school and say, hey, this is what I want to do. Are you interested? Mm-hmm. And either they say yes or they say no. And then I go to the next one. It's like, are you interested? You know, maybe I go to Seattle Girls School and, and say, want to put a presentation together for you for career day or whatever. So we have to be proactive. The schools have got enough stuff going on and they they have bigger fish to fry, right? So it's it, it's it's up to us that are in the trades to be proactive to to get out there and and do the the campaigning for it. Mm-hmm. And you know, a couple episodes we ago, we talked with Courtney um, about the program that's coming in at Seattle Central, the residential construction program, which is amazing. And I think that that is a really really good start. And hopefully um, it's going to be a flagship program that, uh, you know, other community colleges are going to take on and, and say, this is what we need to do. Getting the college to see that this is a viable program and is going to help the community. Is there any uh, legislative, governmental things happening that you know of that people could support or encourage? You know, I think that um, and I am not a political person. I do not follow that stuff at all. But I have heard that uh, Governor Inslee is supporting um, this program for the college and any program that is upping the trades. Um, he's he's willing to put money behind it, apparently, which is great, which is absolutely wonderful. And it's just finding, you know, where what avenue, right? Do we go to Master Builders or do we go to BIAW, which is the which is the state level of the the Builders Association, um, and getting them? You know, it's like, look, every one of your members is looking for for employees, and we can't find them. So you guys need to help us figure this out. All right, I'd like to wrap up today's discussion, looking at the future for you individually. What do you want to see for you in your career? two, five, eight years from now? What do you want to be doing? I want to do what I'm doing right now, but I want to be making a difference. I've got to help reach or do something that changes the way we see and the way we are seen in this industry. I mean, that's one of the greatest parts about working at Amy Works is I work with people and it's a close group and we go and we do things that make a difference for people. And we're around people that feel the same way. We don't have to say it. I mean, we don't have to hug every day when we get here. But it's, I mean, we work with people that you feel like Maybe you think are. about that. Opening, Amy, opening the day with a hug. Day hug. Yeah. Day. I, I mean, that'd be good. right off every the bat, day. my niece would say, you know, hug time off of trolls. So I, th- right I suppose like, <laughs> no, if that's a thing. Exactly. But, as long as we do it at the know. start, yeah. if it's not at the end when I'm all disgusted. Fair enough. Fair enough. Where do, what do you want to be doing in about three five years um i would love to be following in the kayla and susan and amy footsteps um i really want to be um a project manager 
an estimator, you know, help the business run and um, kind of be a more visionary person um, and make sure all of those gears keep turning um, as opposed to being one of the gears. So <laughs> I, I love doing the work, um, but yeah, that's uh, just the logical next step in uh, my progression. I want to keep the ball rolling in terms of uh, representing non-traditional workers uh, in the trades and encouraging more and more people to get involved because it's really changed my life for the better. Um, every day I talk to people and they're like, I cannot believe how happy you are when I see you. And this is two years in. Mm-hmm. Uh, or people say, oh, you used to be so miserable. And I, I know, I know. <laughs> um, and the change that it has made, and it would have been uh, pretty cool if I had gotten into this when I was younger. Um, and so kind of encouraging other people to to pursue those things and to not be afraid to pursue those things because they are non-traditional, um, I think is, is something that I would uh, strive for in the future. Mm-hmm. Susan, as you look out, what's the oh, goodness. next greatest yeah, last thing next, you might do? My next few years. Besides going to the Bahamas. But yeah, what do you, what do you, where do you see yourself? Um, well, I, you know, I'm definitely going to be working for, for a few more years, hopefully with, with Amy Works to see, you know, how, how far, how far we can take it, mm-hmm. how big and how far we can take it. Um, I have to admit, I'm, I'm looking forward to having some form of retirement. I don't know if it's actually going to be the, you know, the full on full time, mainly because, um, one of the things that I don't do anymore that I miss terribly is um, volunteering mm. time. And one of the things that I've been thinking about a lot lately and doing a little research on is what kind of volunteer opportunities are there to get other people, you know, get young girls, young right. women, work with them to try and get them more involved in the trades, going into the schools, doing some sort of volunteer work. I have worked a lot. I feel sometimes like I have worked enough for two people over my adult life just because of the type of work that I've done. Right. So as much as I love it, I'm kind of looking forward, like I said, to that retirement a little bit. Um, but I'll never be, you know, just fully out of it. I'm not the sit on the beach, you know, 24-7 kind of person. Always be A couple of days something. out of the week would be great. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah. Right. Amy, what are you looking towards? I'm looking to grow the business, uh, you know, bringing, bringing more women in, bringing those other people in. I am realizing a dream here soon of uh, purchasing a house that we're going to turn into an office and we're going to use to hold workshops in, which mm-hmm. I think is going to be kind of cool. Um, and, you know, I've got, uh, you know, $5 million revenue that that is a goal of mine um, soon. And then... You know, making it all pretty so that I can actually sell the business <laughs> right. and retire to the Bahamas. <laughs> she is a beach sitting gal. Uh, yeah. Well, I'd like to thank every one of you for talking today. I could talk for another hour, but podcasts shouldn't be that long. <laughs> <laughs> but Shannon, Kayla, Susan, thank you so much. And thank you, Amy. Thank you, Alicia. Makes me wonder. <laughs>
This podcast is sponsored by Amy Works, a residential remodeling contractor in Seattle. We want to help you realize the dream of your next kitchen, bath, or basement remodel. Check out some of our work on our website, amyworks.com. Give us a call at 206-478-2019 or send us an email at help at amyworks.com.